Hello everybody, here today I am with Leroy and Jen and I'm going to just give you a little teaser, read the back of Leroy's book, Out of the Box. So, Out of the Box is the story of Leroy Smith, who was sentenced to 25 years imprisonment for the shooting of two police officers in Brixton in 1994. Out of the Box will take you on a tour of the gangster lands of London, New York, and Kingston, Jamaica. I'm going to add Connecticut into that in a minute. Mm. Before showing you inside the box that is the British prison system today, where all previous pecking orders, criminal or political, have been superseded by the rule of the Dean, highly organized and disciplined Muslim convicts who answer to neither gangster nor governor, but only to Allah. So, but what makes this story even more fascinating and adds to the redemptive quality is that I mentioned early on that he was sentenced to 25 years for shooting two police officers, but Leroy's book, this book, was read by one of those police officers, James Seymour, and... They now do talks together, inspirational talks. And Leroy is campaigning for reformation of the justice system. And he's also getting out there and doing talks in the school. So if anyone's interested in any of those links for that work that he's doing, they will all be in the description box below this video. So please don't hesitate to reach out to Leroy. Jen is co-hosting today, and if you're interested, if you want to check her links out, they're all down there as well. And we are hoping that we're going to be able to get James to do a second podcast with Leroy. So we've got the cop Can't wait. and Leroy together, you know, telling the story combined as well. So huge thank you for the book and huge thank, thank you for coming it's on. It's a pleasure. Leroy. Yeah. Total pleasure. So I know you did some time in America as well, and we're going to get to all that absolutely mind-blowing what you've been through but let's just start with you know where you grew up and what life was like as a kid well i grew up in south london uh clapham my mum got murdered when i was two i heard about that yeah um can i ask how uh a partner murdered her so do you have memories from that age or are all your memories like i just remember seeing her in a glass in a box with a glass because they took me there and she was just laying there still. And then I went to the uh, funeral home or where, where they keep the dead people and there was all caskets everywhere, glass caskets, wooden caskets and people walking around, walking around their casket. So we went and walked around and I just saw my mum in there and she was just still. And then that was all I remember. Wow. And then the only other thing about it, what I remember is from then I understand if someone says someone's dead, they're not coming back. You understand? Because then the next time that happened was a council worker. He was working and he started doing painting and decorating in all the houses, one, two, three, like that. And he got to two houses from mine and he had a heart attack in the passage, you know, in the hallway. Mm. on the way up and I was watching him and I remember seeing them cover his head and then I knew straight away it's the same 
scenario and I never used to go past that spot. If I had to go upstairs, I used to get my granddad or someone to follow me past the spot where it happened. So mm. that means it's ingrained in you that death mm. is not nice. My God, what was your family support structure like at that point? Did you have a lot of siblings? And- I had my yeah. gran and my aunties. Who were you living with? My grandmother yeah. and my aunties. Grandmother oh, you, and you your aunties. Living, yes, yeah. okay. What about brothers and sisters? No. no. I had brothers later on, but they weren't living with me. Right. right. And then, like, starting out in school and stuff like that, how was you? I went to school, but I stopped going after, when I got to about 13, I stopped going to school. And was you having, was you having, uh, like, you wasn't enjoying it at school or? Nah, I wasn't enjoying it. And I was just like more interested to just smoke weed or to just go and have fun with my friends, what I called fun to socialize. There was a car that was stolen in, in, in the estate. And we should just go in there and smoke weed inside there and sit in there. So he's broke into hours. a car to smoke. No, nah, no, nah, it's like a derelict car. Ah. So it's in the estate. It can't drive. And we used to sit in there all the time ah. and smoke weed. Was there any subjects at school or any teachers that you liked? Nah. The whole thing didn't like? No, nah, nah, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't dawn on me what actually is going on, that you need to go to school to learn, to have a future in the end. And then when I did go to school and... When I done the one time when when I was in the uh, what age was I about ten or something and then they done or twelve they done this thing for the Queen and she was coming round and then she came round we made flags and waved and all of that and then I saw roots after that and it had a bad effect on me mm. so I didn't really associate that oh if I don't go to school. I'm not going to get a nice job and I'm not going to live good. So I was on a bad trajectory from the start, basically. So what was your first brushing with the law? I stole something from my uncle and they phoned the police on me and they threatened me in the kitchen. Oh, wow. Yeah. So from then... What was it you stole? I think it was £10 or something. Or yeah. a camera, something. It was either a camera or £10. I can't remember. One or the two. Yeah. And the police came and threatened me and said that we're going to lock you up and this and that. And they tried to basically frighten me in the kitchen. I remember I'm, I'm only a kid and they're like six foot and all of that. It's not putting a good impression. Were you intimidated? I was, I was a bit scared, but I didn't like it. And I was more thinking, I don't like these people. Mm. Do you get me? More than oh, I'm scared. I'm not going to do it again. Of course. You understand? Get to that. Yeah. So when we're kids, we all like think, oh, what are we going to do when we grow up? Were you thinking, did you have plans for when you grew up? To be honest, I didn't think that deep about what am I going to be when I grow up. But when I started getting to 13, 14, 15, and then mixing in the community and all of that, and then I used to be a bit timid when I was younger. So I've had times when I was a little bit bullied or do you understand? Mm. I got robbed or certain things because these things happen to everybody in, in the inner cities. You can pretend like you want whatever, mm. but it happens. Yeah. Then I started having ideas to, that I'm going to be this or be that, but it wasn't nothing legal. What were your mates like back then? My what? Mates. I had uh, 
my neighbours. I had basically young boys like me with the same kind of mindset like me who just wanted to do the same kind of things like what I wanted to do. So like after a little while, I ended up on remand once for a short time in Brixton. And I shouldn't even be in there because it's an adult prison. And they had another little kid in there and he lived in my estate. And this, I won't mention his name, but this boy was a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was 15 and he had some brand new uh Ford Capri. What? <laughs> yeah. My dad's got one, eh? Yeah. <laughs> they were cool. Brand new, you they know. They were cool, man. Yeah. yeah. That's like a supercar yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. And he was telling me all these different things, what we could do. And this and that. And he was quiet. You couldn't get a peep out of him. So when I come out, I went straight to him and we linked up and then we started doing it and it, and it, it percolated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So after not getting scared by the cops, what was your second arrest? Uh, I think I had a succession of little stupid skirmishes like that. Mm-hmm. And then I got four months for uh, Sharp Shark Shock DC for robbery yeah street robbery wow what was it like going in there it was brutal mm. they had a nightman called Chips and he used to just pull you pull you onto the to the to the grill and chip off your face on the grill what yeah that's why they called him Chips and then <gasps> what he'd do yeah he'd make you undo all of your bed pack I remember you know you have to wake up at 6 in the morning so you ain't got you're gonna be tired Bed pack undone. You got to make it back real military, sharp like a book. Yeah, the, it has to be like a square box. The book, the, the blanket, and then the sheets. Boom, boom, boom. All razor sharp. You have to sharpen the edges, and it's cloth. Yeah, and by the time you've done all of that, then he make you ruffle it all up and do it all again. Yeah, me. He was a torturer. Hmm. Yeah, and I know he ain't alive still, but that man couldn't have had a nice death because he wasn't nice. He wasn't nice. He wasn't <laughs> nice. He was just naturally wasn't nice. Yeah. And and they used to make you clean the big corridor with a toothbrush. Call it the M1. Yeah, it was brutal. It was very. I see man pick up, uh, do the the gardening and get stinging nettles all over themselves and have to keep doing it. Yeah, and a lot of bullying go on in there. But when I left that place, I was as fit as a gazelle. Jim. And I was at a different mindset and I wasn't, I was ready. And then when I went DC the next time, I knew what to do. And what was that for? That was for robbery again or mm. burglary. It's always them kind of things, street crime. And the next time I went, I just positioned myself because I knew what was coming. So when I got through the reception and they're like, yeah, you black. You fucking handbag robbing bastard. Yeah. This, that, and the other. And then, but what I did, I just said, yes, sir, no, sir. I knew how to appease it. But the other guy, like one guy from Brighton, he didn't quite understand himself. So he must have reacted wrong to, and they stuck it on him, bang him up in his face, called him all of abuse, this and that. And then after, when we used to go to the gym and all them kind of places, I used to know to myself to, like they'll have the bench, the, a big, like a bench, a long bench, and they'll get three of you, one in the middle, one on each end, 
yeah, to lift it up, do all these exercises, yeah. So, so what I do, I go in the middle, so I know that the weight's on the two sides. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just playing it. You understand? Mm-hmm. And then I just work my way through it, and I used to see people like really in bits. Some people like were in bits in that place, trying to escape everything. It was like a torturing camp. But once you've been to send. Nothing else would, if Sen didn't change you, nothing would ever change you. It sounds like a military it camp. In, it was, and it was in Surrey. All of the staff was like ex-soldiers, all vicious, yeah? And it really was a short, sharp shock. Mm. I've done a few talks there to the women. Yeah, you're right, but really? it's changed. Yeah, it yeah, was it's Surrey. That, that's it's Woking. Yeah, it's the same yeah. place. Yeah. It's the same place. Is it still the same now? Got no, it's now. women in there now. But yeah. is it still military no. style? No. It, it was no. all, all the, that, This is like really old school. It used to be an ex-military. It used to be the guards and stuff. Yeah. But now it's all commercialized, like yeah. Tesco worker style. When oh, I lovely. came, when I came out of that place and I went to the train station, I remember seeing some uh, w- woman with a little straw hat selling the strawberries and this and that all polite and smiling happy and I thought wow look at the contrast yeah <laughs> you understand it was surreal was it yeah. dorms or was it cells dorms dorms but if you add if you got luxury if you got the goody goody stage then you can go into 1x like a little miniature dorm with a TV and this and this and that I only got in there once and then a man then plotted against me and, and got me out you understand oh man yeah 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 yeah. that's it so was people yeah. getting terrorised in the yeah even I used to do it everyone used to tax each other and all of that it was part of the process so you take each other's Mars bars and all this nonsense they're sweets literally it's not a nice place, mm. not a nice place. <laughs> so where did you go on from there so after that the next sentence I got was nine months I ended up in Dover Dover yeah and uh it's like young offenders then yo yp yeah. or something yeah. and then i don't know what happened but they made a mistake with the dates or something and then one day they just came to me and said you're going home what but i had a next case so they put me on remand if i didn't tell them about the next case i would have gone through the gate mm. <laughs> you understand yeah i didn't know they was going to make the mistake yeah. <laughs> yeah so basically it was one of them ones so i went to ashford and then i got out and then the next time after that was the three years what I got. And then that, I done two out of it. And again, what was that for? That was for, I think it was burglary again, you know? Mm. Yeah. And then that person, what was with me when we met when we was kids, and I said he was a criminal. For Capri. Yeah. He, he stepped off his game and started robbing Lloyd Banks all over the M25. Seriously, he ripped the ass out of it. Yeah. Cause he, he matched the burglaries with robbery and made some sequence what was unheard of. So when five o'clock comes and they shut in the banks, he would have cut the bars the night before and then he could just go straight into the back. So he was getting them. He was hitting them hard. And mm. yeah, they got, they got, uh, arrested eventually and got like 12 each, 12 years and 11 years for it because they were young but they was prolific and then yeah I came out on the back of that and I'm like well I'm going to do me now so I basically got some uh, access to some firearms mostly from burglaries and stuff and 
just started my 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 road down a bad road. So from burglaries, you found firearms. Yeah. Whereabouts would you find them? All around Surrey, all them country places. Like hunting got, places. Yeah, they got yeah. they got their their purdy shotguns and all these different things, pump actions, all different guns. Mm. But before Dunblane, you could even have handguns. But after Dunblane, it was just shotguns. That's the rules. So yeah, those are the places you're more likely to find them. But in London, it's places like Richmond and Wandsworth and them kind of places. They've got rich people what f- do that stuff. For the viewers then, do you want to explain what Dunblane means? Dunblane was a massacre with an evil man what killed kids. Oh. I don't know what possessed this monster, yeah? Because he could have gone somewhere else and done that if he wanted to do it so bad, yeah? Or somewhere where they're going to give him a shootout at least. He went to a school and killed mm. pure kids. It was a massacre. And then he shot himself, I think. And that changed. He's coward. Yeah, that changed mm. the law. So yeah. basically, that was, that's what it was. That was disgusting. How did it feel handling guns for the first time? A firearm is an empowering thing. I was going to say, was it powerful? It is empowering. It's the mm. truth because you know you've got the power to basically shut someone down. And that's a powerful thing. So if you're sit there and I'm here and I've got a gun, if you've got a knife, if you've got big chest, if you've got big arms, nothing can't save you and your knife can't save you. Mm-mm. And I can stand here and talk to you and you have to listen. You understand? Please yeah. don't. Because <laughs> I've got the ultimate drop and that's what it is. So it, can, it will mess up your head. And if you've got a gun and you're walking with a gun, you're going to shoot people before long. When was the first time you shot one? The first time I actually shot it, mm. we used to go in the estates and shoot them on the roof and that. And bonfire nights, you could really let them go because it's, they think it's bonfire. And that's my birthday is bonfire night. Oh, so, wow. Happy yeah, birthday. Fun, fun and games. But, uh, I had an accident one time where I had a pistol and I selected it and I was in one of my cousin's houses with another cousin. She's a girl and she's younger than me and I was just being stupid with it and I said I selected it but I didn't realise one was in the head and then I pointed it at the cupboard and I went like this thinking this is going to go click and it just went boom. Yeah, it went off man straight through the cupboard into the wall into the bathroom and she got off gone she wouldn't come back in the room and she said she's not come back in until I put it down and I had to put it down before she would come back in I don't blame her but that's how easy accidents can happen mm. so it's not like a game you just play about because it's, it's a lethal weapon and you appreciate that after years down the line when you look back I was in Arizona and my uncle was demonstrating a gun in the next room over and he thought the safety was on. He pulled the trigger. Just like that. Went through the wall right by my leg and into the washing machine. See? Bet you shit yeah. yourself. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dad, my dad wasn't very happy. Yeah, it's easily done. <laughs> Simple accident like that. Yeah. So guns yeah. are not the one. No. And if you are from an inner city, you're impoverished and you got all these different things in your head what are not good for you, i.e., the person down the next street is your enemy. Another little person like yourself, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, that don't even make no sense. Now you throw a gun into the mix. 
it's not going to help. It's mm-hmm. just going to make it worse. It's not certain what you really want to have around you. So you started collecting them. What was your plan? Well, basically, I was just living and I realized that the power what it wield. So as I said, I was timid when I was young. So that changed my personality now because I had something what could. And then I realized that my psyche and my, 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 my inner being was much more than my physical. So then that just gave me the power to do things now, what I couldn't have done otherwise. And then I started using it to intimidate people and to get my own way. And then after a while, you think people love you, but they don't love you. They're scared of you. They're scared of you. You mm. understand? And that's not nice. And you learn that down the line late, later and you're gonna, it's going to hurt you. If you can't resurrect yourself to be something what people really can love, you're going to be just hurt and destroyed because everyone wants to be loved or cared for that's what everyone fights for yeah Yeah. so that's what it is they get jumbled up you need to read the book there's a subtle art of not giving a fuck it explains it in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah so basically during those years then what threats were arising to you because imagine you're creating enemies along the way so basically i created enemies but any i was like when i when an enemy popped up, I would just shut them down. So I would go and find them. They wouldn't have to come to try and find me. And it always, always went one way. So no one didn't really want to mix it with me like that because they just had it to say I was mad. And once people know you're willing to shoot quick, quick, no argument, then they don't really want to play with you. So you built up a reputation yeah. then by this point? By that point, yeah. Wow. And basically, once you've got all that going for you, you ain't got to do much after that. You just talk and people listen. Mm. It's the truth because you've done all the work already. So what sort of people were, were around you at this time? I was being around Jamaicans. Yeah. English kids with from Jamaican parentage. And basically, that was it. I was going to Jamaica back and forth. And all of my circle was either English or English Jamaican or Jamaican. That was the circle where I was living in. You ever had a few guys on? Uh, Stephen Graham was one guy. Um, Tug of War ended up in prison in Jamaica. Yeah. yeah. I've lived in Jamaica and all that, and I definitely wouldn't go, wouldn't go to prison over there. Well, Andrew Pritchard had operations out of Jamaica as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't want to go prison. Whereabouts there. in Jamaica were you? In Kingston. Uh-huh. Yeah. In the heart of everything. So you never got in any trouble over there? Well, basically, I got wanted for murder over there, but I I don't know. I just I left. Uh, excuse me? Wanted for murder? Yeah. So how did that go down? I don't know. Like, basically, what I know is I got robbed, yeah, well, someone tried to rob me and my friends and they robbed my friend and they took his, his bracelet and his money. And someone who set it up allegedly got murdered for it. Mm. Yeah. And they was trying to point it at me. So I don't know why they're pointing at me, but when people start pointing things at you in Jamaica, you need to leave <laughs> because it's time to leave because no one yeah. ain't going to wonder why they say no smoke without fire. Or some nonsense like that, and you. So the police sticky. didn't get to you. Or no, anything? no, no. The no. police, they, the people. Jamaica's different from England, so that person what died was a gunman and a problem to society 
And when his family took his picture to the police, they asked him, they asked them, what are you bringing that air for? Literally to their face. They're not interested in that. You understand? Because they know his wrongs that he's doing. He's not a productive member of society. Yeah. So they're not interested and they don't investigate like that. Mm. So if it was a civilian or a normal person, then they might give it the time of day, but they don't give it the time of day for people in that kind of game. If that makes sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. What what good times did you have in Jamaica? Lots, 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 lots. Elsha Beach. <laughs> What's that festival that took a while for you? The girls. Um, Sting. Yeah, Sting. Did you go that? I've been to a few few of them. And Any good? Crazy. And yeah. Al Salio, this is one place in Kingston where all of the top people go and listen to Stone Loves every, every Thursday night. And every other week there's a shootout in there. Like mad. Did you like, see one? Loads of times it's happened. Last time it happened, it was like uh, some girl came down from America and she was one of my cousin's friends. And she was like, yeah, she wants to come out of us, this and that. Cause she see that the man, them, me and my friend, them are on, on job. So <laughs> straight away now we've gone to Alsa Leo. We're enjoying ourselves, this, that, the other. And the next thing you know, like the, the operator saying last week, the man, them shoot out the power cable. Yeah. Ease off of the gunshot. But when he said that, the next thing just started going, bah, 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 and it just didn't stop until someone started throwing bottles and then bottles started flying and then people started running and I just took off my bracelet and put it in my pocket because that's how you can get robbed easy. When all this madness is happening, someone will just stick you yeah. and take your things quick, quick and gone. You won't know what, what happened. By bracelet, you mean watch, don't you? Yeah, no, yeah. like a bracelet, like a gold bracelet. Ah, okay. Like a big chunky gold bracelet. I was going to say, yeah. nick me a hair band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, so, and to be honest, I was like, I was even shocked. And then flight or fight, I just decided I'm dealing with myself in it. So I just took the fence, yeah, and cut out. And my brethren, I'm glad that he did, though, because I felt bad. My brethren, he pushed the girl onto the floor in it. As a Jamaican, he's more used to these things than me. So he pushed the girl onto the floor mm. and waited for all of the gunshots to subside. And by then times, I'm in the car, yeah? And this is like four or five minutes past. Prolonged mm. gunshot, yeah? And then he came with the girl. And I felt a bit bad that I left her, but it is what it was. So then we left there. And they went to Reddles Road. When we went to Reddles Road to go onto my lane where I'm living, man's on the beginning of the lane saying, we mustn't go on the lane because there's unknown gunman on there and no one don't know who they are. Yeah? Right. So we had to leave there now and go somewhere else to stay for the night. It's that kind of environment. It's yeah. crazy. It's but yeah. it's exciting because <laughs> you, anything can happen. Like I had a birthday party, uh, Sound was playing, pure girls, everything was nice. And then the person what's from my area was the Don, yeah? He said he had a girl he wanted to go and pick up and he had a man who was going to drive the rental and I had a rental. And I said to the man, I don't really want to leave. I don't really want the man to take the car and I ain't got no way to get out of here if I need to leave, yeah? And the man said to me, what could happen in hmm. two minutes when they go down the road? This is me, all right, go on. So I give the man the car. As the man them left, yeah, police come and said, turn on the music. Some lunatic brought the police car, the back of the car, the glass. Why? I don't know. He must be drunk or whatever. 
bare gunshot again, shoot up the whole dance, mash it up. Everyone run and took fence and leave it. When those two men come back with my car, there was no more party left, yeah? They left the party <laughs> and come back to no more party. And I just looked at them and said, you see what can happen in two minutes though. Mm. You understand? Wow. Have you had a birthday party like that? No. It was crazy. <laughs> I had a police bodyguard, but that's not the point. No. It's madness. And even him, he will just come with you and he's got gun and he's just backing you so that you, you don't have to walk with something yourself just to make it kind of legal a bit. You understand mm. what I mean? How do you go about arranging a police bodyguard? But he lives in the community, so he couldn't be a police to us. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> you understand? We yeah. know where you live. You understand? You, we have to be friends. So we, he used to just come, he'd give us his gun to fire, smoke weed with us, everything. And it was just cool. Yeah. You get me? Yeah. So it was non-stop scrapes in Jamaica, was it? Yeah, it was. But at that stage, when you're young, you take life for granted. And you don't it's really excitement, think, isn't yeah. You it? don't think, yeah, like what you should be thinking. Mm. Yeah, you just go out thinking the night is mine. Yeah, <laughs> anything can happen. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. And everyone's got that same attitude. Have you got any more shootout stories from there? From Jamaica, there, there's so many different scenarios. And sh- another time, I went to court to visit someone, and they was on remand in gun court. And when I got there, gun court. Yeah, that's courts for gun charges only yeah oh. and murder and them things but by gun okay. so when i got there i saw the policeman sitting in the in the little hut at the entrance yeah and he had the m16 over his lap like this and i just decided i'm gonna just walk past i'm going in there cause i want to see my friend and talk to him at the grill yeah so <clears throat> i started walking and then my mom must have said something to me yeah and I just went like I never heard him and the man just raised up the thing. when I seen him raise up the thing, <laughs> I said okay and I just stopped you get me and I said brother you really did I go shoot me you understand and he just looked in my face he will shoot you you understand that's Jamaica wow yeah. what was it like when you came back from Jamaica when you come back from Jamaica living like that to London to, to London mm. you're like a more you're hot wire you're like a live wire and you're more likely to do extreme things to people because your propensity for it now is gone through the roof do you understand what I mean so I had scenarios over here where people owed money I end up shooting up their house or just doing extreme more than I needed to because that was the order of the day yeah. And then when you're walking with a gun every day, it's, things must happen. Even if you have, I don't know, 200 beautiful days where nothing doesn't happen, it only takes one day for something to happen. Definitely. Did they pay up after you shot up the house? Uh, did they pay up? They, what they did was they went to the police. <laughs> That's what they did. Oh dear. Yeah. Did you cop a case on that one? Yeah, I did. I got a five. Did, did you what? Cop a case. Yeah, I got a f- I got a five. But that was in five. With all the rest of the sentences, like just run concurrent. Cause none of my cases caught up with me until the end. So it all caught up with me together. Mm. What were you like during that period of time before they caught up with you? I was an extreme live wire. So when I was in England, I was walking with my gun. In Jamaica, I had a bodyguard. And in America, I had even more gun 
Glock, Mac 11, everything was just gangster. So that's the way I was living and it was working. And you don't stop doing things what work until they go wrong. Of course. That's just natural human nature. Of course. So if you're doing something that's working, you're just going to keep doing it. Was it during that period you got arrested in Connecticut? Yeah. How did that go down then? Mm. So basically... Uh, what were you I, doing in Connecticut? In the yeah, right, so basically, the, when the police got, right, so what happened? The police got shot in Brixton. Mm. And then I had to leave the country, obviously, if I wanted to stay free. So I left the next day, went to Holland, then made my way to New York. And then my link in Jamaica had people in Connecticut. So they came, picked me up, moved to Connecticut, got myself a condominium. That's like an apartment block like two bedroom apartment <clears throat> and then started getting girls to come down who wanted to do couriering and mm. all that because at the end of the day coke's the currency i was gonna ask yeah what? so coke's the currency and like in jamaica kilos like three thousand pound back then mm. and in england it's 1300 pound an ounce and you get like 40 ounces sometimes in a key it's always wow. over 36 the excess is enough to pay for everything and the kilo's free. That's mm. how it was back then. So it's big markups. So these girls are coming over and then one of them, she came over, went to Jamaica, bought some food back and then she fell in love with this Don guy, what I was telling you about. And then she's trying to rope me into this stupidness about the guy asking me stupid things and all this. I'm like, listen, leave me out of this. Do you understand? And then she uh, she's saying to me about, am I scared? She's trying to play me. She's trying to play me. Mm. Yeah. And I didn't like it, but that wasn't the issue. The issue why things went wrong was she was smoking in my house. And when I found out, I had to do something about it. Because if they think that I'm doing it, then it's going to be catastrophic for me. So it came to a head. I phoned Jamaica told the same man who she was going on about what's gone on. And he's like, yeah, do what you're doing. This is the same man, what she says she loved, you know, and he so just threw her. Both, yeah. yeah. He just threw her under the bus like that without a second thought. So I'm not going to lie. We, I took her somewhere and she cottoned on to everything that was happening. And she just jumped out of the car and started running for, what, for what her life. What were you going to do with her? Well, she was in a bad situation mm. and it weren't going to end well for her that day. So she's basically run off and I've come out the car and I did fire after her. Nothing never connected. And she's like, she's, it was just her day to be free. It wasn't going to happen because it was like a the road was like one way. So I was facing the wrong direction. And then she just runs straight across the other road, which was like traffic. And it's like, the gap just came and she just went, she didn't look left or right. She just run. She didn't get run over. She went across the road. And Game chicken, nothing, wow. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing what I did connected. So it's like it was supposed to, she was supposed to get away. Where I'm verging on insane now at this stage and the ego's got the better of me was I said to myself, she can't go to the police. She's going to have to phone my friend, my girlfriend in England and asked her to speak to me. And now, because she didn't, she got away. 
and this clearly was a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't I'll let her yeah. go back to England. Yeah. Mm. Cause I was going to let her go back. I weren't going to do it anymore. But by then she was too scared and she didn't know what I was thinking and all this madness what I'm thinking that I'm going to let her now go because it was a miracle that she escaped. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's insane. Yeah. So she runs straight into a hospital screaming. She was the FBI and the the killer, the gunman's shot police in England. That's all they want to hear. <sighs> yeah. So that's, they sent a SWAT, SWAT team straight. Mm. That's how I got nicked. So wow. what was the SWAT team like coming in? FBI SWAT team. What were you doing? We was I was in the apartment. We was going to go and buy some fish. Nice. Oil. We was going to cook fish and we needed oil to cook, fry the fish. Right. And the man them said to go to the uh, market, supermarket and buy the, the oil. So me and one man went in the car and when we drove out the compound, he threw his gun in the console. Yeah. And when he threw the gun in the console, it's like everything all happened at once. He threw the gun in the console and then I just saw the, the SWAT team around the car. Don't move, don't move, motherfucker, motherfucker. I got you, I got you. I'm going to blow your head off. Yeah. Everywhere I look is Uzi and Glock. Did you yeah? know why they were there at the time? Well, I, I whoa. <laughs> I'm wanting, <laughs> Quite a few like, reasons. Yeah. Been there, yeah. So basically I knew it was over in it. And it, they was like on me and they locked me down tight and they had a Mac 11 in my waist. So once they took that out, they was like banging my head on the bonnet. What's this motherfucker, motherfucker? And all of this handcuff. And it was over from there. Yeah, it's quite handy. Little uh, Mac 10. I had a Mac 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 11, Mac 11. 11, yeah. Which was better? They're both really the same. Assault pistols. Mm. But yeah, Mac, Mac 11 is less common than a Mac 10. Mm. So... Where were you incarcerated in America right away? So I got put on remand. They saw all my jewellery and all that and they made my bail bond a million dollars. Just being spiteful to make sure I couldn't get out. Just want to say that's more expensive. Yeah, because if it, if it was like a, a, a hundred grand bail, mm. I might have been able to get it. But a million, you need a hundred grand deposit just to get it. So it weren't going to happen because they already, like I had the jewellery and that, they had it. So to go and rustle up that money again would have been in my situation and everybody knew I was wanting for all that, that it weren't going to happen. So I was on remand in Bridgeport Connectional, Correctional Centre. That's in Connecticut, Bridgeport. Is that feds? Uh, it's a correctional centre. I'm not sure. I don't think it's a federal prison. Okay. Uh, but it's naughty and it's got a lot of people on beast mode and animal mode and every kind of mode <laughs> yeah mm. it's gang gang to the nines so yeah. you're walking so in what you're seeing big guys with tattoos and people playing cards it weren't rattling the cage only for madness and then you see when the food time comes you have to post, pass the food round on a tray mm. you can't just p- take a tray and eat it you've got to pass it pass it till everyone's got one until it comes round to your one and you can't just lean over and take something over someone's food or there's lots of politics in their thing so you have to learn all of that fast did someone come and school you in that well i had some jamaicans what was there with me and they had bodies and all of that so their respect was already in the community so i was lucky in that sense yeah because when i went in they're like i was working out with a mexican-american gang member and then the ab guys come out and like hey wood 
Look around the room. <laughs> love see his anyone? Uh, see any white boys working out with the other races? Like you got a lot to learn, Wood. <laughs> wow. You can yeah. see why he doesn't narrate his own wow. books, can't you? <laughs> so wait, what happened after that? <laughs> oh, they said, finish your workout. And this guy I was working out with was called Sniper. He was a La Victoria uh, gangbanger out of Tempe, Arizona. And he knew what time it was. He was like, he understood like uh, the politics, yeah. So, so in the end, what did you have to do? Did you have to go with them? They said, finish your workout. And then after the workout, you had to go? Yeah, I had to work out with the woods. That was kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> but then the, later on, the Italian mafia took over from the Aryan Brotherhood. And it all day let us do anything we wanted. It was cool. Yeah, yeah well, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> and that's prison for you, because prison, the politics of prison is a numbers game. So whoever's got the biggest numbers is the man. Yes. Yeah, for whatever time that they can keep them numbers. So how was it divided in the numbers, uh, like by numbers? What, right. what so gangs in, had the most in, numbers? In, in that prison, it was Latin Kings. Was the biggest. Yeah. Mm. And then like there was this guy, Birdio. He was like been shot five times full of bullet holes and muscly and monster guy you get me but meaning was cool he liked me but yeah and then you had the black gangs nation some nation something there's about three or four different gangs in there and were you asked to join one no i was around in jamaica is it right yeah so and they're just loose they just do their own thing but they're respected because they're obviously like the one what was in there serving time. He was doing 60 years for a double murder. And he was from our clique. Ooh. Is it all right to put it on silently? I'm so sorry. It's okay. Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Direct. <laughs> right. So when the when you get your chow, is everyone sat in a different group? Right. So when you get your food, you're all together around the, the table. And then as I said, the tray comes in and they put the trays through this slot in, in the, the wall glass. the slot yeah. in the wall one and then you yeah you, you, you pass it, it around yeah so what were the conditions like in your cell the cells was like two up or three up and basically if you're not i would assume if you're not a gang member or you're not about something you could go in one of them cells and get violated yeah you could just have to start on the top bunk and work your way down if it's a yeah, free all that shit and you can get violated you what can way? in any kind of way because there's some there's some disgusting people in there yeah mm. they keep up bare bad behavior what and sort of stories did you hear i never heard stories but i see people what is straight you can see what they're on you <laughs> understand and there's another one one time i went there was a uh, uh an inmate and he looked like a girl yeah, even when I first walked past, I thought, what's that woman doing in there? Yeah. And then I had to look good. Yeah. Cause he really did look like a woman, like really, really. Yeah. But it's a, a male and yeah, he's got his girlfriend. He's got his boyfriend, should I say? Mm. And people would die for him on the wing and you can't tell him nothing. You understand? Mm. And that's so that was a trans prisoner, was it? Yes. Must have been. Yeah. yeah. So that's their reality. And in them places, their reality is whatever it is. Is the reality that the trans prisoner's got to have a boyfriend or else? I think that was the scenario. I didn't actually speak to him, but 
I just looked from that, from the from the distance, from what I could see. But then when I went in uh, this high security unit place where they put me before I got on the plane back to England, then conversations was had with other inmates, and then I heard about how people will stab you for her and this and this and that. So the trans rules the prison. Well, that little pod where they was in for sure. Wow. Do you understand? Had influence. So what there's, there's high demand for them. So if they've got a tough boyfriend, they're protected. But if they've not, they're brutalised. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. What about, how did you pass your time in your first few days when you were in there? I was just, my head was spinning. I was just thinking, yeah. look, my life's fucked. Mm. I've fucked up. And I did not make the blood clot gal get away. You understand? So that's what I was thinking. Yeah, we were cellmates all right from the get-go. Uh, did they know what you were in for? Uh, yeah, it was on telly. Yeah, so on they the all knew. Yeah. But they don't care about that. The only reason they knew it was all right was because the Jamaicans said, that's my boy. Mm. Do you understand? So were you in with Jamaicans in your cell? Well, no, nah, but on my, on, my, on my pod. In the wig. On yeah. my little spur. So what was what was the um, background of the of your first cellmates? We didn't even talk. That's how my man said. That's my boy, and that was it. And I just stayed in there, and I didn't say nothing to him. Was it moody then in the beginning? Yeah, it was moody. Yeah, they we, we never talked. We didn't even look at me. each other. No, they, no, I was just staying on my bed, and he was just doing whatever he was doing. And then when the exercise, I come out after exercise, and then food time, eat the food, and I was just like. I was just like having cold sweats and all of that. You get me? And just bad dreams and all them things. All the funny things was happening to me. Yeah. It hits you, doesn't it, when you're on that rack? Yeah, it weren't nice. Sleeping at night then, was it, um, was there noises and guards coming in and out and lights yeah. going on and off? Yeah, and, and I have to like uh, rely on my Jamaicans to get me cigarettes and this and this and that and send it over. It, it wasn't nice. And then I knew that I had a, a sticky road to, to navigate. Reality here. Yeah. What What was the food? To be honest, the food in that prison was nice, you know. What in was that, it? In that American prison, it was like Latin kings cooking the prison, like chicken, rice, cooked up properly, you get me? And uh, in the morning, grits and banana with honey and sometimes this kind of corn porridge thing. But it's like decent. Did you have cockroaches? No. No. No, it wasn't. Sounds like quite a nice prison, yeah. I think it's, it's a, if it's a correctional one, I think it's a federal one. They've got more money. Yeah. yeah. It, was, yeah. it wasn't like, it was new. Half decent. Yeah. Did oh. they assign you a lawyer or the public defender or anything right away? Yeah, they did. And he was just like a robbing, well, I won't even put the rest of the words on it. <laughs> yeah, he just took my car. I was lucky to get my jewelry back. What? He said, and you know what he said? He said, the judge said, hey, guys, why bother to argue over this? Let's just share the car 40, 50 or 40, 60 or some rubbish he's trying to tell me. After my car, 10,000 US I pay for my car. Yeah, you're a public defender. For you to get the jewelry back is a free thing or $500 tops. And you took a $10,000 car as payment because you know I'm in another country now. I'm not getting back out. And you're asking me, when am I getting out? Like, you're reminding me you're not going nowhere. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> yeah? Yeah, that's what happened. They try it on, don't they? Well, they tried it on. They did it. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Can they get away with it these days? Well, I don't know, but they did mm. it to me. 
and they got away with it. P- prisons, like public defenders, are like parasites. A lot of the time, they call them public pretenders. Mm. They just want you to sign a plea bargain so they can get onto the next victim. Yeah, mm. ready to cop out. That's what they say. Because they get a fee per case. Yeah. But if you go to trial, they have to actually do some work. It's like a so big system. They don't want you to go to it's trial. It's like a system. It's like a system. Of course. So did you say that you were originally in one facility and then you got moved to the max security? No, right. So I was in that part of the main prison where everyone is and then they put me on a little part with just me and two gang bosses because they said that I'm at escape risk because I've escaped from prison before. I wanted to talk to you about your escape from prison. How did you do it? Yeah, that was something else. So basically I was in Leicester prison Mm. and I was on remand and we kicked off in the prison. They sent me to Bullingdon and then Bullingdon was a new prison. It had these tags, what they put the clothes in. So we was getting visits with the tags and we had tags ourselves so we could get things smuggled in like that. And then one of my visitors got, a knife, a flip knife, because she went on holiday and came back with it. So she put it in the bag and I got it into the prison and then I had it in a sugar bag. And then what happened was one time I got a phone call, I never had no credits and then he wouldn't give me a phone call. And I went up on the landing above the officer who wouldn't give me the phone call and I burnt him with some hot water. So yeah, I was a bad guy. So I poured it on him from upstairs and then the alarm bell went off, all madness. And I went back to my cell and then uh all of the staff was there and I knew they was going to smash me to bits, yeah? So you know what I did? I told my cellmate to press the bell and say that he did it. Yeah, I swear <laughs> to God, I was a bad guy, you know? So so he had to press the bell and say that he did it, yeah? So he did that and then they took him, but they didn't bash him up because a little young white guy, yeah? And I know they was going to do it to me. So then the next day, they come for me now, yeah? But the sting was gone out of it because they wasn't as mad as they was when it all happened, obviously. That's when you can get really hurt because the people just, like, they're angry now, it. So they took me to the block. There wasn't no evidence to do me for anything. So then they got some of their little lackeys, what they had on another wing, to tell them, yeah, I'm a nonce. Me, you know, yeah? Yeah, so insulting, yeah? Mm. And to get me done in, yeah? And then they said to me that, they've heard that people want to do me in. So do I want to go upstairs? <laughs> yeah. Do I? Like they're telling me, don't go. And I say, my friend, just let me go where I'm going in it. Wherever you want to put me, just put me up there, please. Yeah. I don't know nothing about what you're talking about, but just put me on the wing. So I've got on the wing now. When I got on the wing, I see the man in on the survey with some tough face and all this. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this fool? So anyway, I went to my cell and then someone else who was on my wing before who knows that I'm in the prison for armed robbery on a post office with firearms. Yes, yeah, so I'm one of the few people who was stepping hard in that whole prison in Bullingdon. And then he's like, put them kids straight and said like, listen, you better be careful, yeah, because my man ain't know nothing like that. You understand? So then now they've come to me now wanting to shake hands and all this shit. These two fools, yeah? They just got played out and they could have got themselves in, in a bad situation. So when the staff saw that this happened and I weren't going to get done in, then they decided, right, they're going to move me back to where I came from. So then this is how the opportunity came because the, 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 the knife's in the sugar bag. So I put that in my with my stuff, got to reception and it's all come with me to Leicester. So then when I got to Leicester, 
they've said you can't go on the wing because your co-defendant's lawyer has contacted us said that you're bullying him to plead guilty yeah, mm. to our robbery and right now you and him can't be together yeah so you're going to go in the block for the night and then tomorrow we're going to send you to Brixton right. but if you get in trouble in Brixton you're staying in the block until your trial because you're just trouble <laughs> and we can't take you yeah so I said alright cool so then that's now I'm in the block with my stuff with the knife and I know I'm going to Brixton tomorrow and then that's how it all come together so basically I got some plastic put cut a piece of soap into like a tampon wrapped it with the plastic put string around it and then tied it around the knife and then got a uh, cream and put it around the, the thing what looks like a tampon and I secreted it Ooh. with the string so that it's holding the knife in uh, basically the crack of my ass yeah <laughs> and it can't drop out so yeah. if I go like this and squat it can't come out because like a tampon yeah getting held with a string I know. Do you understand know what, what I mean? About. So, yeah. <laughs> so basically, that's what's happened. Yeah. And then they've come, search me, but I've got it thing. And then one of the officers, like after the search, I said to myself, I'm going to make sure I've got it ready. So after the search, I've got it ready. And I had it in my waist ready, yeah? And the man said, I know you, Smith. Let me search. He said, what's wrong with you? You never just searched me. Yeah. And he was patting, patting, patting. I was thinking, what's wrong with this man? And then he, then it was time to go through and we went through, but I only had one handcuff them times. So mm. I was handcuffed to one staff and then I had a newspaper and then the knife in my waist. So we got into the car and because it was a minicab. Yeah. So we're driving now the, the officers, the driver. And so two officers, one on each side, yeah. the driver and me. So it's three of them, me on my own. And I got the knife in my waist. And I got the newspaper in my lap like this mm -hmm. so I can get to get that out without them seeing. So then Dave turned around and said to me, they're not sure the way. And like, I'm thinking, they're having a laugh. So I'm like, yeah. I said, I know. So when we're driving now, we get to London, we get to Shepherd's Bush and then the, 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 the driver starts saying about, Oh, it's dangerous around here. I came here years ago and someone got stabbed in that pub or something. <laughs> it just changed the tone mm. in the car. And before that, one of the, the officers was saying that he upset this mafia don, yeah, called Francesco Di Carlo. It was some big mafia don. And he said, he, he were happy with me. This say so it was all smug that he could upset the mafia don. I was thinking, don't worry, I've got something for you in a minute, mate. So, 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 so we start directing him. I was saying, yeah, take a left, take, so we get to Clapham South, South, South Circular. And I said, take a right. He said, what's that, a right? You're taking him obviously home, aren't you? No, I'm taking him on a back street to stick him up. That's what I'm doing. So I said, yeah, because he wants to be taken to the prison. Yeah, you, you're stupid. Like definitely. you take, I'm taking you to. You want me to direct you to take me to go to prison, brother? Are you stupid, <laughs> brother? Yeah. So I said, take a right. He said, yeah, take a right. And then I said, right. I said, yeah, right. He said, take a left. I said, left. And then, like, as I was saying, I couldn't even speak properly because, like, I was getting pumped up now because I knew it was going to happen. It's going to happen. And then when he took the last corner, I just took the thing out and just pushed it under the one's neck. And I just said, undo the fucking keys, undo the cuffs now, I'm going to fucking cut your throat. And then like the car just stopped and I'm like, leave the fucking keys, leave the keys, leave the keys, get out the car. And then my man just came out the car and left the keys. And then like my man's like, all right, Smith, can I just keep the the, the, the key, the, the prison lock key? And I'm like, undo the fucking cuffs. And he undid it. Yeah. 
So then when he undid it, I just took him and pushed him onto the other two now. So that's all three of them on the sidewalk. And then I just jumped into the car and it was a five series BMW. Nice. See when I put it in first gear and I revved it out, the clock buck, you know, when it comes to the limit. And then I second, and you know, when it dips, mm. listen, it was the most high feeling I've ever had. The adrenaline was so crazy. Yeah. I got to Cavendish Road and I just dumped the car because I took about five bad streets and just dumped it because you can't drive that for long because you know that they're going to be onto you. And then I ran into some estate where one of my family live, but they weren't in. So then I knocked the neighbor and I said, yo, boom, boom, boom. I got a situation and they let me in. Yeah. They let me into their living room and I was just in the room like an animal I couldn't even sit down and then I phoned someone and then they came and picked me up went to a safe house got my shotgun and a pistol or Zig Zoya, and it was on again yeah wow. 10 o'clock news boom and then went. what was it like seeing yourself on like, the news it was like, like amplified everything can it so then yeah. I went I went uh, to out of London done something got some money like I don't know, I think 40 grand. And then within six days, I was on an airplane to Jamaica. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a hell of a story. So that was a sidetrack story from Connecticut. Yeah. So you you got moved up to, you worked with the two gang members. Yeah, so we was there in Connecticut and... They got a deportation hold on you. Got a deportation. And then uh, after a while, they just come for me. Did you have to accept that you want that you were going to go back, or did you try yeah, and fight no, it? No, no, I had to accept it. I pleaded because I otherwise I was going to get, I was going to stay over there, and I was charged with conspiracy uh, to supply drugs in a factory situation. They had a couple kilos of coke, couple kilos of weed, a Mac, attempted murder on that girl. So there's a few stuff, and you're over looking there, at multiple lives. Yeah. <laughs> So, but they just give you a pass to say we want to get this, get rid of this guy. Full pass. Wow. No. Come back to England. That's lucky. Because so, yeah, America, say, they like to hold on yeah, to yeah. people. No, because it's, because it's England, Scotland Yard wanted me. Mm. And even when I got arrested by the SWAT team, they told me straight, we don't bring in cop shooters. Some white guys, some blue eyes look like the ocean. Yeah. yeah? There's nothing in there. These men are some real shooters I'm talking about. What's got like three, four bodies on them and they've been in shootouts with gang members and people on the street, you know, some hardcore guys and they're even scary. And when you're in their presence, you could kind of feel the aura on them. If you understand what I mean, you know, they're about everything. What, what, what they're saying they're about. And when they say they wouldn't bring you in, they mean it mm. and they wouldn't lose no sleep. Them kind of people. Did they put armed marshals on the flight with you? So I add about, police yeah and they chained me up and all of that stuff and then there was some uh, lady with a little John Lennon glasses a little blonde thing and she's like smiling with me and I'm smiling with her and the man is telling me about stop looking at her you're scaring me and it's, no I'm not no I'm not you understand yeah she's smiling with me how am I scaring her and then they waited till all of the people come off oh no that's right it's that way around they come for me first and then said, murder this, that, 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 and took me off. Yeah, that was it. It was the other way around. And then that was it. They had a uh, Range Rover on the tarmac, all these gun police, and then went from there to, I think it was Norwood Police Station. And then 
questioning, questioning, questioning. But they knew they weren't going to get nowhere. And they just charged me with all the charges and took me to uh, Campbell Magistrates Court. And then from there, straight to Belmarsh, double cat A, straight in the unit with the IRA. What led up to the shooting of the cops? Yes. That was just unfortunate, bad, everything. Someone owed me some money. I sent someone to go and collect the money. They know who they are. Yeah, I should have been a different top man. And I should just lick him in the with a gun and send him back again to go and collect the money. That's what I should have did. But I never, I was too compassionate with the people around me, subordinates, treating them nice, too nice. So I went to go and get it myself. And look what happened. You see? Right. I sent the man to go and get the money, you know. And he went and he gave the man more drugs and didn't collect the money. It wasn't an issue that the man's going to run away because my friend as well. But that's not the point. I sent you to do something. Yeah. So and I, I just wanted to go and get my money. And then when I went there, that's when we bumped into the police and then it all unfolded. It wasn't nothing planned. Nothing was planned for that to happen in any kind of way. What was it, your thoughts? It happened like fast. And I was just like definitely planning to not get arrested. And once I make up my mind about something, I'm I'm going through with it. It must take something to pull that trigger though. It's flight mm. or flight or or fight. It's like a quick straight thing. It's really mm. quick. It's not like you got time to think. It's nanoseconds. You're all close to each other and you got seconds now, half a second, whatever, to decide how this is going down. And what was the look on their faces as you pulled the gun? It weren't like that. Sheer fright. You can't no. see nothing like that. It's everything. Was it? Was it dark? Or? It was night time, uh, and everything's fast. Mm. I, can't, I don't even know anything like that. What were they doing there in the first place? They was on overtime, and just looking for an arrest to bring back to the station to call it call it a night. They didn't know who I was and that I was a live wire. So it's bad timing, bad everything, and just went left. What was it? What was your? Uh, where did you flee to? So after that, I went to. I went to. Where did I go? I went to a safe house, and then I went to some little ferry port on the, on the outskirts, and went to Holland, and then from there, went yeah. to America. Yeah, wow. I had a false passport and all that as well, so I was kind of like covered. What's Mar- the name on the passport? Marlon Blackwood. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you, you, you're at the airport now. Yeah. Going back into the UK system from America. What was the first place they took you? To Bel... Oh, uh, Belmarsh. Yeah, Belmarsh. That's right, high Belmarsh. Security, high security. Belmarsh. Was that the highest security you'd been in at in this point unit. in your life? Yeah, in the unit, yeah. Double yeah. K. Did you get your own cell in Belmarsh? In the double cutties, you're all on the phone cells. Yeah. The IRA was in there, some I- armed robbers. Over these interviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's single. Yeah. Everybody's single. It was a pretty intense strip search going in. Yeah, when you go in there, it's, everything's about security. Mm-hmm. I remember, as I said, the IRA was in there. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna, you, that gives you the level of kind of how they're treating it. Mm. It's everything's about security in, in that place. You locked down all the time. You you're allowed out in the daytime to watch telly and make toast or have a cup of coffee or whatever, but you're on that little pod and you're not going nowhere. Mm. So those prisoners then extremely dangerous. The classification for some of them, 
you all you've all got access to each other when yeah, you're all yeah, like that at the same time pod. yeah on that little pod yeah what was that like that was all right because we're all cut from the same cloth in different ways <laughs> but we're all the same we've all got one system was locking us down and we're all except for the freedom fighters the rest of us is criminals yeah so what we're gonna there's no reason why we're not gonna unless you had an issue with someone from before to come to there then that never happened with so you me. didn't see many fights no there's no fights in there the thing about high security not in, is not in there it's so serious in yeah, it's, all the not people now. are very intelligent and serious they ain't got time for all of that only one time i saw this idiot come from america and he's supposed to be this this and that and then he came on a unit yeah listen to this <laughs> he came on a unit what yeah. was he supposed to be like so he's a dickhead he came on a unit <laughs> yeah he came on a unit and He's looked at us all, and there's one fella there called Lenny Kempley, R.I.P. Lenny. Yeah, he's passed away now. Yeah, he's a, he was a soldier, serious guy, Lenny Kempley. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. So basically, Lenny used to look a bit rough and all that. Yeah, you might think guys just a tramp or this and that, but he's a stand-up guy. He's serious, and he was in there for armed robbery in a gun shop, a gun store, and his bare guns. They said that they took. That's what the system said, and he was looking at 18 year sentence, and all of the real other gangsters cockneys and that they all know him from road so we're all in there together and we've all got mutual respect for each other so this dickhead's come now yeah and he's seen Lenny looking a bit rough and that and he's tried to speak to like some of the IRA people or the people what he thought were the top people and then we was walking around talking and then Lenny tried to come over and he said excuse me man we're talking or some kind of nonsense to Lenny yeah? and Lenny just banged him in his face straight, broke him up. He had a walking stick or some kind of wooden thing where he used to walk and he bust open his head with it, black up all of his eye and just made him understand himself and he went on the numbers. Yeah, he went on the block. He went in the segregation, yeah, for protection after wow. that. What was he facing? What, what crimes was he done? You know what? It was some, sh- some weird shit. I can't remember exactly how it went but he was a shaky guy. Someone you wouldn't want to have as a coldie. And a dickhead. A dickhead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what routine oh. did you settle into in Belmarsh? Uh there weren't really none. I was just like smoking bear weed and then I fucking got into other drugs in there as well. Ooh. So like just fucking passing the time. Bit of spice? Nah, you mad? I would never take that. No, this was before that's Spice hit the way prisons, before wasn't Spice. It? Yeah, and that's a unnatural. That that drug is not even a drug. It's not made for human consumption. No. When we was in prison, all the drugs that was in there was real drugs. <laughs> you understand? What like cannabis, heroin, uh, drinking ain't, ain't a drug, but it still gets you intoxicated. Peach, like yeah, but and also distilled the spirit one. Yeah, what? where you make the, you get the ooch and you steam it and make the steam makes raw spirit. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And then well, sometimes we should get make stuff it, yeah. in the in the shower room left for us and that as well. You got pound. cooking utensils in cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah hundred pound a pop. I just yeah. don't. I, I'm baffled. So yeah, you had a toaster. You put your tray on it and let it get hot, and you can cook. So you can get like corned beef, a tin of corned beef and fry it with the sweet corn. And then when you get the prison rice, use that and then put the sweet corn and, 
and 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 woolly beef. Sounds like you have got and, more utensils there than I have. Yeah, you could you could yeah. cook up, you could cook up a little thing, <laughs> a little noodles and a little. You get me? And in the kettle, you can cook it as well. What about working out? Did you have access to anything? Yeah, they had the gym and all that, but I weren't really into all of that. So I'd go there if I had reason to go there. But there was like, and there was one time when people say to me, "Oh, who you come to stab today?" You understand? <laughs> yeah, because I don't come gym. I come gym to put down work. You understand? Mm. Or to do something. I'm not going there to work out. As you can see, I'm not a physical person. But it sounds like you had no beefs with anyone in in Belmarsh. Nah, not in there. But when you get into dispersal, it happens because it's what it is. You can't do 20 years and don't end up in beef with people. Yes. Especially in, in my circles. In Belmarsh, did you have a legal strategy to fight your case? Yeah. But basically, I had this guy called Lawrence Kirsham. I don't know if he's still alive. But what I know is he knew I was going to get found guilty. And he gave me some book about miracles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you understand. Hey, you talk about miracles. This is your lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he knew. I yeah. need a miracle. He knew. He knew. So basically, the joke was on me. But I needed that. I needed. To, I needed to. I don't know. But I needed to go there. Yeah. I needed to go there. It's, 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 you got to get the ironed out of you, haven't you? That part yeah. of you. Yeah. 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 So how was your case progressing through so the court system? So basically, I've gone to court. Yeah, I went not guilty for everything. Yeah. And I got found guilty for everything. Trial, <laughs> yeah, except for the black man. So what were the charges? Yeah. Attempted murder times three, yeah. Ooh. One other guy, uh, he was a uh, basically a man. What was in a stairwell smoking crack, and he got shot in his leg. Oh, but they weren't interested in him when he got shot in his leg until after the police got shot and they realised the ammunition matched. Then they've gone and they're all up his ass and they want him to help and he obliged. So he came to court and said, yeah, I shot him in his leg. Yeah. But I got not guilty for him and I got guilty for everything else except for him. <laughs> yeah. So what does that tell you? <sighs> yeah. What did it, what did it feel like at your own trial? Was that the old Bailey? Old Bailey court number two. Big boys game. Yeah. That's uh, it's no game. Yeah. It's no joke. It's serious. What's it like going to the old Bailey for the first time? When I went in there, that dungeon place to that foggy judge. Yeah. <laughs> it weren't a nice experience. No. And all them goons and goblins above the crown and all that stuff. Well, God knows what's going Sorry. <laughs> you understand? Seriously, it's, it's, goons nice. and it's, goblins. it's not nice. And when you look at the paperwork, it's got conqueror underneath it. You lift that paperwork up into the light, you'll see the horse with the Trojan conqueror. What are you up to? Yeah. They've all they, got the wigs on and stuff. Yeah, they got into your oh, listen, no. they are up to stuff. Yeah. <laughs> they got their own lodge down there. You're talking Freemason. Yes. They're <sighs> on their job down there. So if you go through there and come out, you are lucky. My ex has been caught too. Yeah. No, not for lawyer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Said, what, yeah. You had a partner that was a lawyer? Yes, my ex. Okay. Yeah. And he's uh Spend a bit of time in the old baby. Not criminal. Yeah. Okay. Insolvency. So okay. Different thing yeah, yeah. What was your jury selection like? So basically, I don't know, but some of them was with the police at the end. So you know how it goes. When you get to that level. It's all rigged, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When you get to that level, you must know to yourself you're going in prison, innit? I should have plead guilty, made a deal, got a, got an 18 or a 15 and kept it moving. 
But then again, saying all of that, this none of this would be if it didn't happen the way it happened. It was supposed to be, isn't it? And you cling on, don't you? If you're pre-sentenced, you cling on to the hope that you're gonna. I knew I was finished. Did you know? Yeah, bruv, come yeah. on. So why didn't you take the guilty plea? Because I was convinced myself I can try and get not guilty. That miracle book. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you just don't want to plead guilty, innit? Mm. But, As the know, trial progressed, were the odds changing in your head? No, I was just, I don't know, I was just on another planet, man. Yeah. I was, I weren't thinking straight. Intense. Yeah, I weren't thinking straight. And basically, I needed to get that porridge to understand myself. Mm. And, I, and I did, un- it did help me. It, it, it made me understand myself. Did people come and speak on your behalf uh, well, you know, for, for the sentencing and no, stuff? No, no, they didn't bother. Mm. But the judge just said that he's not going to give me a, con- a executive on top of each other because it'll be too long. So he's going to run it concurrent. But I'm still lucky he didn't give me a life sentence. You are, yeah. Because yeah. I wouldn't have got out. I wouldn't be here now because they wouldn't let me out. In America, they would have stacked multiple life yeah, sentences Yeah, I'm on lucky you. that I didn't get Because yeah. I was young. And 25 was what they was giving the IRA. They thought that's the most they can give me. And did you have to serve that flat, the 25? 16 years, three months. Mm. Wow. 16 years, seven months. I've was, done 17 years, three months. Was that because there was a parole eligibility? Yeah. I've done seven years, three months. 17 years, three months. Then I came out for nine months, went back in for two years and then came out. So that's 20 altogether. So did, I, did the did IPP you? No. No. What happened? I came out the first time and I fucked up. Well, let's go, let's go back to the prison first. Yes. Um, so once you're sentenced, do you get reclassified away from Belmarsh to somewhere else? No, I was double cat A for a few years and then I went to single cat A all the way until my release. Mm. What? Yeah. You I got released s- with an Alsatian dog, walked me to the gate. And when I got out, I was under surveillance. He must have been then with some characters like serial killers, people like Bronson, people like that. Yeah, but to be honest, I'm not, no disrespect. Mm. Bronson is a man who's always in the block and he's mm. a bit, he's, the image what is portrayed on the telly and all this and that mm. isn't the reality. To be honest, the man needs to be released and just let the man, cause a shadow of his, of what's on the telly. Is you understand? He? Of course. You're like, no one can stay in a seg like that for all them years. And yeah, what would you say his mindset's like? Not be like a fraggle. Mm. You understand? You'd be like, your head's shriveled, isn't it? Mm. When the guys escaped from Parkhurst, yeah? That was like a long time ago. These two guys escaped from Parkhurst. They was running around on the island and they couldn't get off the island. And he he was in the seg and I was there and he was talking to someone at the window saying, yeah, if I had done that, I would have just swam across with my axe and killed a few sharks along the way. <laughs> He's fucking mad. You understand? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quite a character. He's, he's a character. Yeah. Who, but yeah, that's who did you is. bond with the most when you were in uh, Belmarsh? I had, in my time in prison, I had multiple friends. Yeah. And some of them are my friends today, my best friends. And yeah, you meet people, man. Would you say that the intensity of the environment, you're in there with them, and only you and them will ever understand what you went definitely. through. So it gives you this bond for definitely, life. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Almost like being in the military or something that's intense. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. What? Well, how did the guards treat you? Because, you know, in America, I imagine... Yeah, they didn't really like they, me. They got still. you down as a cop killer. Yeah, they didn't really like They'd me. give you Plus, shit. I got 
I'm opinionated and I got a mouth on me and I'm sharp with it. So what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd give them verbal at every turn and I know the law and I'll tell them it and all of that stuff. I was just, I weren't nice. And Did you end would, up in the block a lot then? A lot. I've had stints in the block like a year at a time. What What earned you a year? Stab someone. You stab someone in there? Yeah. I've I done a few people. Okay. Yeah, talk. but basically that's just the politics of the prison. Of I'll talk us through the first one. What basically, the in them places, respects everything. So if you let someone disrespect you or do something to you, and you don't do nothing back, you, it's not going to be well for you. So when I first got there, I was all strung out, taking drugs, this and that. Someone put notes in the box, and that's informing. And then I accused them of it. They tried to throw punches. I backed out of the situation and went round to where I was with my little click in the kitchen. And then they sent someone round to be a mediator, and I just stabbed him. Wow. That's basically snitches get stitches. Just happen. So it's that kind of environment and things happen every day in there. And you just go block and you come back out, go to another wing or to another prison and it just just, just what it is. Can they try and put extra charges on you for that? If there's the person makes a statement or this, that and the other. But in general they're not interested. When I got I got I got caught. Yeah, can't you see the cut in my face? Yeah, what was that over? Yeah, yeah. same kind of politics. Yeah, and basically, they were, they never said to me, "Oh, do you want to make a statement?" It's that and the other. I wouldn't have anyway. No. But it's not like dispersal is different. Everyone's in there, and no one's going nowhere. Yeah, so you better just man up on your job. I've seen people come in there and have beef from outside, and have running battles for years, years. And I mean battles, yeah, tit for tat, week, month, in, year, in, out. It's not a joke. Stressful, isn't it? Yeah, it's serious, man. You see anyone get jugged? I've seen loads of people. I see men get burned up with oil, stab up, every last tea you could think of. Was yeah. that over drugs and drug debts and things Similar like that? Things. It's always the same kind of scenarios. Yeah, mm. I can imagine. So basically, it's not a nice place. And there's no end to it. So, yeah, anyone was planning to go there, I, I tell you what, better you stay in McDonald's, go and get a job in McDonald's, you'll be better off. At least you might find a one girlfriend you can <laughs> live life and you might can save up and buy a car and some stuff. And at least you're free. You yeah. understand? You go in there, you play with yourself, brother. You understand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds it's awful. Not, you won't like it. You yeah. understand? Wow. Yeah, it's the truth. So, what about people it. getting killed in there? It happens occasionally, but not often. What? While you were there? Uh, one guy got killed and it was sad because he was singing all the time at night and the gangsters told him to stop singing. And he still was doing it. And one of them had some hitman. He's dead now anyway. So this hitman had a drug debt. And he said, I'll swipe your debt and give you like an eight for gear. And my man's gone in there and cut my man's throat and his wrist and killed the man dead. Mm. In Long Lawton. 
in his soul. Killed, and the man was going home like soon. Mm. Killed the man dead. Is that much of a bad singer? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, seriously, it was sad, man. Was he mentally ill, perhaps? He, the, yeah, he wasn't troubling anyone. He was just singing. Yeah. yeah. You get me? And like, they didn't need to deal with him like that. Mm. Like, there's wow. an element of everything in it. You get me? The man said, don't sing, and you sing. So that means you're dissing him, innit? Yeah. And he's took that to heart, and that's what's happened. You mess with people's sleep, it gets serious. Yeah. Mm. And basically, he's like, they're running the wing, innit? Yeah. So you said like you went onto drugs in the prison. What got you off the drugs? Basically, coming out of prison and or just knowing that you're getting out, mm. yeah, and the hope of a new life. It will just happen if it's going to happen. Were you, were you self-medicating because you were doing so long? Yeah, of course. To get rid of the stress, like not just to make time go. Mm. It's painful in there, you know. Mm. It's not no kind of joke. I'm laughing and making joke of it, and making it light, but it's yeah. not. It's not a joke. No, it's very serious. Shit. Imagine when that sentence came down, the reality set in. Yeah, man. it was on in your head from then on. My hair it? dropped out and everything. Like <laughs> I was, seriously, yeah. I Did was you have hair before you went there? Yeah, man. Look, look in the book. <laughs> Let's have a look. In the book, you can see me with my big, big load of bushy hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I don't know. If I you like can the see fact properly, you got in here. Look at that. See? Wow. Oh you see God. the side of the hair? Yeah. Wow. Curly hair, man. Thick hair. Lovely. Black beard and everything. See? That's what can happen to you. How did it change over the years, the prison system in the UK? Well, obviously, when the IRA left, then the brothers came in, and it's now it's more religious-orientated. And in a lot of ways, that's better because there's less drugs about and all that stuff, and people go to the gym and just pray and just keep it on that level. Yeah. So that's basically how it is now. How did drug culture change over the years? When Chris Graylin came, I don't know what possessed him. The guy right? who banned the books. The guy who decided that there weren't to be no cigarettes in the prison. Madman. But yeah. what, he banned the art of seduction, didn't he? No, but Chris Grayling banned all books being sent to prisoners in the UK. He's just but it got mad. overturned. Yeah, and then yeah, the cigarettes, he said no cigarettes. Like, you've single-handedly turned the prison into Spice City. <laughs> People are just getting riddled with Spice and messed up times 10 what they ever was. And now tobacco is a commodity. Yeah. That's what you did. And you think that you've done something clever. Like, you are not a clever person, Mr. Graylin. <laughs> you said people got messed up on Spice. What did you see? How were they behaving? Mm. They, it's zombie, zombie comatized you, isn't it? You see them going like, like uh, really like active really zombies mad. or really passive yeah. zombies. Yeah. It's crazy. You can't be taking that. Wow. So basically, that's what he's left the system. That's what he's left the system with those rules, what he's imposed. Did you hear of many suicides? Yeah, people kill themselves in there. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Wow. People just have enough. When they're doing life sentence, mm. they might just have enough. And that's it. When you've had enough, you've had enough. Yeah. Agreed. Did you ever bump into Yami B? Yeah, I know him. <laughs> I know him. Yeah. yeah. We've had him on. He was, he's always very smiley, very good yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah, he's a character. Isn't he? Yeah. So you've got a chapter here, The Dean, and it says on the back about The Dean. Yeah. What's the, what's the deal? What's the rule of The Dean? So basically... Islam and 
uh, just practicing. Hmm. And like in America, you know, it's all racially divided. There's like no, a Muslim. It's not like that in the like Muslim. No, it's not like that in it. I was going to say, in, in the UK, in, Muslims in, in, usually in, in the dispersal prison, there's white Muslims, black Muslims, mm. Asian Muslims, every color. It's not no color scenario involved at all. Mm. It's a religion. Nothing to do with color. So is that the biggest group then, you yeah, would yeah, say, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, UK? Yeah, the biggest group. In dispersal. In dispersal. That's the high security state. In the high security. Yeah. What What are the other groups then, the other classifications? Like is the travelers and things no, like that? The click there, up? There's not really no other groups. There's, there's not really any. There's There's... Either you're a brother or you're not. Right. Did your daughter come to visit you much in there? Yeah, she did. Yeah. She, in the end, she started visiting me when she's grown up a bit. Oh, but she. when she was younger, it wasn't nice because mm. it wasn't like she had bad impressions of me and how prison old and all went, that. Went in. So when I went in, she was like about 10 or 12, wasn't it? Oh, wow. Yeah. So. She, she knew have, what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she had bad impressions. So now she's good. Well, I noticed she's written the uh, chapter in your book, My yeah. Daughter's View, What You Gave Me. Yeah. And I was just reading. Yeah. I remember the day my father it's was sentenced to 25 years. I was seven years old. Oh, she was seven years old. It was broadcast on the six o'clock ITV News. Yeah. So that she didn't like her. She's a straight head. Mm. So it would have had adverse effects on her. Of course. And that's what people don't realize when you get in trouble people what love you or what your what's your family they're gonna have it's gonna affect them too yeah it's what the horrible most horrible thing was like my mom coming five thousand miles to arizona yeah and i gotta go out and she's all like hunched over and she's been stood outside for hours and sniffed dogs and the pat downs and all that shit it's not pleasant yeah it's not nice yeah so what is the story of Dwayne then so basically and it's very hurtful Dwayne was is a man what I know very well and he came from South London and he was like a live wire and he went out and came back with about four life sentences and then he just he's too live for his own good so he's doing things along the way and it's all adding up and in the end people set out to you know fix his fix revenge and to get him back for it and ultimately, he's ended up almost paralyzed over it. He's never going to be the same again. Yeah. And that's what can happen in them places. Did he earn the life sentences while in prison? No, no, no. He got okay. them from outside, part armed robberies and that. Mm. And I think he killed a police dog when they were trying to arrest him. So if you kill a police dog, does that like count as a homicide a of a cop? No, 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 but they didn't take it like they didn't. Find no, it. No, they no. didn't like it. You got a story here, baby P killer. Yeah, that little nonce. Right. He was in the uh, in the the AP the uh, the hostel. Yeah. And they were trying to say about we have a meeting together. I said, listen, me and that guy are not going to be in the same room. Mm-mm. And then I just told him, listen, brother, don't look at me when you see me head down. And that was what how it was. Wow. What was he like? I don't know. You don't know. You never. I, did, I didn't speak to him. I just told him when you see me head down. So Nor I can't would I say, attend to my meetings. I can't he would say. Yeah, when I did see him, would just put my head down. Yeah, me fine. Right. Yeah. So basically, I weren't in no conversation with him. Yeah, I, I fucking don't blame you. You understand? Awful, man. 
What about the story of Dirty Dread? Oh, yeah, that was that was something that was something else. And him, yeah, he's the next character. You understand? He's free now as well. <laughs> he's uh, he's free and about. He knows who he is. You understand? So these are the kind of things that happen in prison. Yeah. So I just mixed it a bit, so it, not to you understand. Yeah. Mm. But I'm telling you the story. So yeah. Wicked. That I mean, book, you would never put that book down once you start reading. I can't it. wait. You'll read the whole of it. I can't wait. And, and it's going to be on uh, iPlayer soon, Netflix, all of that good stuff. How, how high was your gate fever? Gate fever. I was like surreal, like I'm going to be getting out, I'm going to be getting out. And I started putting things together from at least two, three years before I got out. Post-release plan. Mm-hmm. Mm what was that? What what did you set your sights on doing? Just basically getting accommodation ready, getting everything China being positioned. So basically when I got released the first time, I had someone come pick me up. I had a Rolex, I had 500 pound, clothes, Viagra, all Viagra. of this in the car. Yeah, Durex, everything. <laughs> you were hoping to the get red, lucky red, that time. I weren't hoping. I was getting lucky. Uh, <laughs> McDonald's, yeah. And then I'm dinging. McDonald's then, was your meal of choice. Yeah, went straight to McDonald's first. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then after that, went to the probation. Then after that, hotel. Yeah. <laughs> the things, them. You understand? <laughs> Have you done a lot so, of courses and yeah. stuff? Or? Nah, fuck that, man. No, no, you didn't do any courses? None. I did ETS. I just did the bare minimum. Did you read many of these? I read a few books, yeah. What sort of Long ones? Walk to Freedom, that Nelson Mandela one, 48 Laws of Power. Great. We've had him on the channel. Yeah. Robert Have you? Green. Yeah yeah? yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's my favourite author. He's fascinating. Yeah. Apart from yourself, obviously. That's some shit, right? And so, So basically, yeah. Yeah. So you had the time of your life at the hotel, and then what did you do? <laughs> then I just started doing loads of stuff going, get my teeth, white earn, going shopping, going lap clubs. I just started letting my hair down. Because you, you said your girlfriend sort of saved you coming out this time. Yeah, right. That's when I came out in 2014. Oh, right. So we're going back to this. So were you falling back into the lifestyle then at this point? Yeah. So then the nine months led me back into the lifestyle. What was your violation? I got arrested for conspiracy to rob. Uh, yeah, yeah. I could have got life. I had a trial and I got not guilty. And then they let me out. Oh, man, that was like wasn't it? Yeah. Did you do it? No. <laughs> yeah. You just found not guilty, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was found <laughs> You understand? Courts don't make so, mistakes. No. So <laughs> basically, <laughs> trust me, I was lucky. Yeah. And what were you facing on that one? Life. Life again. Yeah, life properly, because they was going to do it this time. Yeah. And I'd messed up. Going through a whole thing again? What was yeah, going through your head? I was like, uh, to be honest, I said to myself, if I get found guilty, I'm just going to hang myself. I'll tell you the truth. Oh, shit. I weren't planning to do that por porridge. Uh, it was the end for me. Mm. God knew the truth. And, yeah. and, and could you tell going through the trial that it was going in <laughs> your favour? So what was going through your head then? Was, yeah. was the trial, did it seem to be going in your favour? Yeah, like I said to myself, I have to get a not guilty. And yeah. I, I wasn't in, in a cell. I actually spoke to God. I told him, I am apologize. I, I, I said, I basically repented for nothing's what I did, what I shouldn't do. Because he knows and I know. And I told him I'm never doing certain things again. You understand? 
I can't believe the intensity yeah, of what yeah. you've been through, man, because yeah, to do yeah, that yeah. twice, I mean, I was facing a lot of time and I know what it feels like a 26 months fight in my case, what it does, but then to go through 20 years and then yeah. you're facing life again. Yes. Nine months later. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it was terrifying. Wow. It was literally. Oh my God. It was terrifying. Yeah, it was terrifying. Yeah. So, so I'm, that, a, I'm what, a special case and I'm here to tell you don't do it. <laughs> what, when that verdict came down, not guilty, I like, bet, yeah. did your whole body no, just man. go, did you float? I was like, proper like, it was like, I think, well, it was just unnatural. Yeah. It was deep. Yeah. And then did you think, right, I'm not going to go back into the lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. This done. is it. I'm done. That this is, is my last. Finale. Done. Yeah. And, and how, how did you manage to not go back in? Did you just put so the brakes on every time there was temptation? Like my partner, to helped a lot. My ex-partner. Yeah. Yeah. She was a person of means and a lawyer and intelligent and she like navigated me and financed me. So she had my back and if it wasn't for her, it wouldn't have worked. No. So she basically made it possible for me to write the book because she covered for me the bills, this, that and the other. And then the book turned into reality and then the book just started opening its own doors. But was there any temptation at all? Was there like was the people of the night but, contacting you? Yeah, but basically, I knew I had her. Yeah. And I she knew, was your anchor. Yeah, and if I did violate, that wouldn't have been nice. Did you because, end up getting rid of your phone numbers, everything, cutting yeah, yourself off? Yeah, I ended off. up dropping a lot of people out. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And plus, I didn't love her, so I weren't going to go around her still. No. You get me? That's a good thing what people should know to themselves. If you've got a partner was solid, that's a good mm. way to keep on the straight and narrow. Because they'll be on to you. You know yeah. how women be, innit? Yeah. You know everything. As <laughs> <laughs> women save the world. You yeah, do know yeah, yeah, yeah. You know everything. Yeah. Watch what's going on and all that. Yeah. What work were you involved in at that point in your life? I wasn't working. So she was financially supporting me. And you were writing. Mm. Mm. Took a year. Learning the internet and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, it took, me took a year. him ten years to write his trilogy. Yeah, it took me a year yeah. to write it. Wow. What about the internet and things like that? That was like tip for tat. I was learning it along the way. Yeah. But what I did with this, I used Dragon Dictate and spoke oh, into I love it. Dragon and Dictate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I done. Never used it. So, what year was that? You got you beat that case. The second one. Uh, two thousand and twelve. Two thousand and twelve. For yeah. ten years. Yeah. So what was your life like over those ten years? So um, since coming out in two thousand and fourteen. And then writing the book, it's just steadily got better. Mm. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And have a lot of good people come into your life. A lot of positive people. Well, it sounds like you're very and close with your daughter. Yeah. A lot yeah. of things have happened. And all of it is in a positive, yeah. not a negative. So I'm grateful. Do you appreciate the small things after having lost everything twice? Definitely. What was like, it you missed the most? After this now, we're going to go and get something to eat. I'm going to appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Good so night's food. sleep and things like that. Sleep and food, it's, mm. everyone always says. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do you hope from life now? To be honest, I'm hoping to just get this mini series scenario dealt with. And I've got some work with the prisons. And then I want to just like get a little place in Spain or Ghana or somewhere. Ooh. And just enjoy my last piece of life because how old are you now sorry 53 you have to remember them yeah we're the same age yeah 
Yeah. 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 So wow. no more no more concerts in Jamaica. No. Party. <laughs> time to relax now. Mm. I need to find myself a partner and just keep it real and just live. That's what I need to do. What about 100%. talking to the young people? Yeah. School talks, yeah. I do them now and I will continue to do them. I've got a digital workbook and hopefully I'll be able to do stuff like I'll always be available because if I can't do it physically, I can do it on Zoom or whatever. And so you've got your presentation for the school talks and all that yeah. sort of things. So to see basically, one. uh, that's going to be a part of my life for, for at least another five years. What was it like going into a school for the first time? Cause you were shitting yourself. It was not nah, to me. It's nice. Yeah. And cause I'm just naturally being myself and just talking my truths. Mm. It's easy. All right, so huge thank you for watching today. Hope you've enjoyed going through the journey that we've just been through. Please check out Out of the Box by Leroy Smith. And please support Leroy on all of his socials. They'll all be down there in the links in the description box below this video. Yeah. We can continue this next Sunday when you come over to mine. For sure. And we're going to be doing a part two with the cops as well. So, yeah. Huge thank you, man. This podcast is sponsored by Gadfly Press. We are proud to announce the publication of The Girl Gambler, a young woman's story of her escape from gambling addiction. The story of a young girl's entrapment in gambling addiction, the true advert for problem gambling and how it controlled her every movement, every thought, and almost took her life. How the guilt and shame that go hand in hand with addiction stopped her from reaching out for help for eight years as she didn't feel it was okay for a young female to be a problem gambler. How she believed it was a male-dominated problem, and how eventually she did find the tools that enabled her to become free of her addiction. Available worldwide on Amazon, link in the description box below this video. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. Here at Boomer and Jen, we offer a wide range of organic or recycled clothing. We all know our planet is important. We only have this one. So it's vital that we all work together to slow down and reverse the changes to the environment. Whilst we all know that big industry are having a significant effect on pollution, here at Boomer and Jen, we believe that if we all make small changes, we can do our part. Fast fashion causes detrimental effects to the planet. Not only is nearly 20% of global wastewater produced by the fast fashion industry, but there is a considerable amount of fast fashion ending up in landfill. So let's move away from fast fashion items that are only worn once or twice and start wearing extremely comfortable, durable and environmentally friendly clothing and ethical jewellery. Boomer and Jen was founded in a quiet town in Devon in 2018. It has now gone from strength to strength as the world is becoming more aware of the current climate situation, helping our customers to buy sustainable, quality clothing. All of our products are fair trade and registered with the Global Organic Textiles Standard Association. Check us out on organiccottonclothing.co.uk.